welcome to Casual Lore. I am your host, the Casual Worgen, also known as Corey Adam. I am on the Scenarian Circle server, if you ever want to hang out. Um, today we're going to get back to lore. I've kind of not done any lores since the Worgen. And today we're going to change it up a little bit. When I started, it was with the Blood Elves. So naturally, why don't we just do the Blood Elves? We'll throw a little bit of interesting and important information, throw in a few things about the different groups that they've branched off into, then we're going to do uh, something a little different. We're going to do a kind of a story setup, because one of the things I enjoyed about the uh, Karazhan raid was the cool little theater that you got to do. Uh, that was always kind of entertaining to me, and one of, my, one of the lines that cracked me up was, On with the show! So we're kind of going to go with that just a little bit. Um, a lot of this is stuff that you can find easily on different sources, but I figured I'd just tell the story. So we're going to explore the insane story of the Blood Elves. For anyone who doesn't know, Burning Crusades is where I started, and the Blood Elves, they were my game. Yeah, you heard right. The Casual Worgen was in fact a Blood Elf. Tonight... We will deep dive into the World of Warcraft's most common background and somewhat current story somewhat up to date on the Blood Elves. Side note, I love the design of Silvermoon City and I used to park alts there every so often just to view the uh, Horde band playing around. So the capital is Silvermoon and this is located in the Eversong Woods. The current leader of the Blood Elves is kind of up in the air because Prince Kelthus Sunstrider has done some some crazy stuff. And if you don't know, his freaking outfit is on point. I don't care which section of World of Warcraft or Warcraft 3, he looks cool. For some quick info, before we dive into this, here are some notable facts. Now, another tidbit, if you don't play and did not play the Burning Crusades, don't forget, you also will have to choose a faction regarding the Scryers or the Alders. And unless you're playing Burning Crusades Classic, now it's not super relevant, but I thought I would mention it. I personally picked the Scryers myself, but that is neither here nor there. Now once you go to Shatrath, there is a somewhat annoying first quest where you follow one of the slowest ghost NPCs, I swear, in the entire world. Good lord. Ugh, it was just horrible. His spectral ass has no legs. It's like, come on bro. I could low crawl and move faster than he covers real estate. Also, if you should like to be a Blood Elf, check on homie Vorenthal, the Seer, in the Scryers, if you would like to be Scryers, in the Scryer section, Shatrath, or for the Alders, seek out Ishana in the Outdoor Rise. And I'm probably pronouncing that wrong. Now, there are also the Sun Reavers, and they have a sick-ass Dragonhawk mount. I have that. For them, you want to seek out Archmage Arthas Sunreaver. Most of this info, like I said, is easy to find. Now, to continue, the Blood Elves, who before the craziness, were the High Elves. They were also known as the Sindori, which apparently in the native language of Thalassian means Children of the Blood. Nice. Now later we will cover how this name was changed to honor the Fallen Elves of the War when they were slaughtered. And like I said before, it is on with the show. Now for dramatic effect, on with the show. This is Act 1, 
the high elves sorry it's a karazan karazan joke you know on with the show that's my favorite raid anyways somewhere around like 10,000 years ago during the time of queen ajara she was kicking ass and running the show now the night elves are kind of like being a cult at this time that were really good into some magic and did some harry potter business with the well of eternity but because they tried to harness his forbidden magic, they were frowned upon by the others. They were loyal to the queen and opened a bunch of portals, bringing the Burning Legion, which subsequently started the War of the Ancients. Whoops! We did kind of cover that in previous episodes with the Worgen, the uh, War of the Ancients, so we're not going to get into that. Anyways, fast forward to some time after the Great Sundering, these High Elves were exiled like Napoleon-style, to Kalimdor, settling in the east, and that's where they founded Quel'Thalas. It was at this time that they got the name High Elves. These elves created the power source, the Sunwell. It's like a giant magic pool of mana magic? Like a battery or something? Anyways, then they started the Durinal. This is a waking cycle which caused them actually to lose that purple skin of the Alliance Night Elves and gave them more of a human type color. They also lost a little weight and shrunk in size. Now the name High Elves or the Quelderai means children of noble birth. Now the High Elves which came from the ancestors, the Night Elves, have kind of flipped the script and they now worship the sun, no longer the moon, the light versus dark kind of scenario. The High Elves are the descendants of the now-called Blood Elves who fought for Queen Ashara. On to the second act, the Third War. To set the scene, when we go to the Third War, Prince Arthas, aka the Lich King, rolled up into Quel'Thalas with those Scourge Boys and whatnot, and they wrecked the joint. The Blood Elves' primary source of power was a magical well called the Sunwell. These, well powered the high elves with arcane magic and they needed the arcane magic like they were hooked on it the sun well was destroyed in order to eradicate these powers and wipe them out subsequently this power kind of made them mana fiends and they began to crave a power that they could no longer have that sucks now reports indicate around maybe 90 percent of the high elves were killed in the siege the remaining, in honor of their falling, became the Blood Elves. Now one might ask, where was Prince Kelthless Sunstrider when this went down? You know, I'm glad you asked. The prince was in the magical city of Dowaran, and he was getting his magical schooling on when all this went down. Now, fast forward, when he comes home, he finds Quel'Thalas in utter ruins, straight wrecked. This sent him into a massive rage. Seeing the Sunwell, of all things, their source of power destroyed, must have been horrible for him to see on top of the slaughter of his people. I mean, rightfully so, man. Vowing vengeance for this insanity is when he relabeled his survivors. And man, they got ready for blood, they got ready for war. First, Prince Kelthala Sunstrider would need to seek out a new source of power for his people. And this was not only to fight the magic withdrawal, but the life force, the very force they need, or they would soon be completely wiped out. 
Now, this is where one of their cool spells, Mana Tap, this is kind of where they ended, why they ended up learning that. And however it does help, it is a short-term way to get that magic refill. And it doesn't last long. They were able to drain enough magic from the life force of other creatures, but this would not sustain them, not forever. Soon the Blood Elves were in battle again, with the Scourge and also the Amani Trolls. These clowns were trying to take over the remaining elven territories, and on top of that, they were controlling the ones that were lost. Now, because of the hard-fought battles and a lot of sacrifices, they were able eventually to secure a large portion of the lands and had some small sense of security and protection. After ensuring that these lands were re-secured, not all of them, but enough to set a foothold, Prince Kelthla's Sunstrider left his people. That's right, people. He bounced. Believe it or not, he only took the bravest warriors and spellchuckers, and he joined, oh yeah, the Alliance. Wait, what? That's right, the Alliance. However, the Alliance would help battle the Scourge, but the Alliance would be short-lived. Why? Why, you ask, would they join the Alliance? Well, they needed the only help they could receive at the time. The humans. And we'll do another episode about the humans that'll probably be next. Now, the Blood Elves were ready to get some get back. But, the humans of the Alliance apparently had some prior grudges or prejudice with the Elves and basically refused to aid them. Now, because the humans would falter the support for the prince, he was left with few options. In fact, he had none. Now, Prince Vera's forces went to seek assistance with the Naga, the queen's personal assistant, or unpaid intern, whatever. Well, Lady Vash agreed to lend them aid. These uh, reptilian people were commanded by Grand Marshal Garethos, and he led them into a damn suicide mission because... Guess what? He didn't like the Naga, or the Blood Elves. In fact, those humans apparently hated the Naga more than the Elves, but even more so them working side by side with each other. Now, the Naga that survived were imprisoned or slaughtered. Damn, that's that bullshit right there. Now, the Blood Elves and the Naga that did fight and survive, man, they bailed and went to Outlands. Wonder how many boars it officially takes to complete the first damn boar quest. Look, <laughs> god, that was worse than zebra hooves. Well, that's a bit of an exaggeration, but if you know, you know, right? The forces that retreated to Outlands would soon find help with one bad-ass and insane storyline figure, the man himself, people, Illidan Stormrage. Hopefully everyone here is, like, cheering in, woohoo! I mean, it's Illidan, y'all. Now, at this point, everyone still thinks he's the bad guy. Now, these elves, anyways, would help Illidan smoke that big-ass mag Theradon and claim the Black Temple. Sweet. And if you haven't ran those raids, like, seriously, get on that. Now. Go. Like, go do it now. So, the trade-off here is Illidan got the force he needed for victory, and the elves got efficiency apartments, you know I mean a place to live and start over. Also, they would learn to improve their mana-sucking skills. Wait, there's no way not to be immature about that statement, I'm sorry. 
So, luckily for them, these demons were were plentiful. And guess what these demons had? Fell magic. Outlands has a boatload of demons. You know, kind of get the picture here. Demons, mana, mana, demons. And for some unknown reason, the demons took offense to being used as a source of fell energy. Wait, no way. They didn't enjoy it? Well, except the warlocks, because they love them some demons. Moving on. So, a bit of separation here, because while the elves in Outlands were grubbing on that fell magic, the ones stuck on Azeroth, man, they needed like generic Waffle House type magic. And that was in short supply. The number of elves still living rent-free in Azeroth, mostly in Quel'Thalas, and they outnumber the ones in Outlands. That requires a lot of grub. The Blood Elves of Quel'Thalas are still battling those Scourge Boys, and they're fighting that good fight. Well, if vengeance and bloodlust is the good fight, but in this case, we will allow it. According to sources, a single bro named Ramath or ramen noodles, whatever, let's just call them noodles. Why? Because I said so, that's why. Ramath Noodles goes all by his lonesome back to Azeroth to give those blood elves a promise of hope and to fill them in on those deeds of what's happening in Outlands. Kind of the play-by-play. He promised the beloved leader Prince Keltus Sunstrider would one day return and restore the power and glory of his people. Straight up blood elf paradise. Mr. Ramoth Noodles tells them how much progress they have made in teaching them new and improved ways to siphon that lovely, lovely mana that they need so bad. And this renews the hope that they have not seen in some time. In fact, this inspires them, and they rebuild the once epic city of Silvermoon to its former glory. Side note. That city also relies on magic, so they kinda need to get that fixed in order for this all to work. The Blood Elves, even though they hate a lot of people, they have found some similarities in, unbelievably, the Forsaken. Act 3. Magic Crack. Now that Sunstrider has pledged his allegiance to Illidan Stormrush, and they now have access to that magic to help stop that withdrawal and energize, Kelthus Sunstrider and his Blood Elves working for Illidan in that extra-dimensional wasteland that is Outlands, they were able to conquer the almost entirety of Outlands, which is also referred to as the Old Draenor. The new task would, would follow Illidan to the frozen wastes of Icecrown to battle Arthas head-to-head. However, they underestimated that gangster-ass Arthas who did defeat them in battle. During the battle, Arthas was even able to wound Illidan. Not successfully killing him, but it kind of whooped his butt just a little bit. At this point, the Naga and the Blood Elf forces following the Illidan who was just wounded, man, they retreated from battle, allowing Arthas to merge with the Lich King, granting his powers. Man. Now, during the events that took place, Arthas rose only the most powerful blood elves, and they would serve now as Scourge, as the dark fallen members of the Soundland. A big issue now is Kelthus constantly accepting help from the Naga and the addiction to his new fell magic and that power that it grants. It's caused the blood elves to kind of be hated by the Alliance. 
This hatred caused the Blood Elves of Azeroth to seek aid within the Horde. The Orcs, by the way, are a people far too familiar with the addiction of Fel. But, they are a story for another episode. The Orcs have survived the Fel addiction, and now they feel a special bond with the Blood Elves, so it's natural for them to be friends. The Trolls, on the other hand, do not get along with them, as they remember the wars with the Quel'Darai. The Forsaken are working closely with the Blood Elves, battling the Scourge in the Plaguelands. Man, that zone sucks. The Forsaken have even aided the Blood Elves in reclaiming some of those lost territories. Hurrah! They even created some kind of teleportation device that links Silvermoon with the Forsaken capital of Undercity. Now on to Act 4, which is where we go into the Burning Crusade expansion itself, the truth about the Prince. Yo, he's sketchy. Following the events in the Burning Crusades, the Blood Elves are in constant combat with the Scourge Presence in Deathholm, as well as battling the Armani Trolls that pretty much own the Ziggurats of Zolomon. That's also an awesome raid, by the way. Now, the young Sindorai are following leaders based in the Ghostlands to fight the Scourge of the area. All this work adds up, and during the battle, the leader of the Scourge in the area, Darkon Drathur, they whooped him. This also helped the Blood Elves to be accepted by the Horde with this defeat of Drathur. Now, back in the Blood Elves that stuck around, they rebuilt Silvermoon City. But they still have no idea what happened. And they wonder what happened to their beloved prince. So they venture through that dark portal. That could get interesting. Now, with the goal to bring back Kael'thas Sunstrider who is the savior of the people. However, in the search for their beloved leader, they found out that not all was on the up and up. They found that the prince had a major new lust for power. That led him on a dark path. I mean, power corrupts absolutely, they say. Now, the prince had left Illidan behind, along with that allegiance that he swore to him. That's lame. Now he pledged his loyalties to the surprise big boss of the Burning Legion killed Jaden himself. Now, if you don't know, these are the asshats that created the Scourge and destroyed the Blood Elves' homeland. Wait, what? Now the beloved prince, the savior, is pledging support to him? Aw, hell nah. But not all the Blood Elves could be fooled. In fact, a number of ones who came with the prince through the dark portal, they knew what was up. They saw it. They saw this corruption. And they knew he was shady as hell and would betray them. So, hey, they went on the up and they betrayed his ass. You know, I saw that coming. This group is the aforementioned Scryers. These boys pledged loyalty to Adal and the Naru of Shatrath. Now, even though the Alders and Scryers, they didn't coalesce, they both aided the Naru. The primary goal was to end Kelthus, Illidan, and Lady Vash. Hopefully all in one swoop. Now eventually they would group and they would assault Kalthus at Tempest Keep, which is another awesome area, but it is a former Draenei stronghold. This would hopefully lead to the defeat of Sunstrider, but would be easier said than done. Soon, Lady Vash and Ilden were defeated. Kalthus Sunstrider went buck wild with his group of fell blood homies. They somehow snuck into Silvermoon, 
they straight up kidnapped a major member of the Nauru, Maru. His ass was taken to the Isle of Caldanus by Kelthless Sunstriders, Blood Knights. FYI, I used to love these dailies on the Isle, especially the bombing runs. Now, the purpose of hijacking Maru was to use his, well, basically to use his spark after killing him to restart the Sunwell and get power back so they can resurrect Kill Jaden. Aw, oh, snap. This treason was so bad, even the Blood Knights under the leadership now of Lady Leodron renounced their oath to the prince. Dang it. They now offered loyalty to Adal and the Nauru, choosing to fight for either the Alder or the Scryers. Now this group has a new name. Combined, they are now the Shattered Sun Offensive. They assaulted the Isle and took the fight to Magister's Temple. The Sun King allied with the group, with the Horde and the Alliance, and they finally claimed defeat of Mr. Sunstrider. And now we finish with Act 5. The Sunwell was restored to glory. Ish. During the battle to stop Kael'thas Sunstrider and kill Jaden, the Nauru Anvina sacrificed herself, and this ended in draining the power of the Sunwell that they needed so much. Well, she managed to banish Kill Jaden's punk ass back to the Twisting Nether. Now, with the aid of Prophet Valen and Lady Leandrin, they used the spark of that fallen Nauru, and they restarted the Sunwell, which actually created a huge pillar of light. Now, to end this episode, we fast forward to the Lich King expansion. After Arthas, who's now the Lich King, wrecked Azeroth, the Horde and the Alliance finally took him down with a counterattack ending his threat once and for all. Pro tip, that cinematic of the Lich King falling is sick. The fight, however, did not end with Arthas, because this dragon Malagos, the Spellweaver, tried to wipe out all the mortals that used the power of magic. And if they didn't take the side of the blue dragon fight, they're done for, apparently. With the aid of Aethys Sunreaver, the Sunreavers and the Horde made it to Dalaran. Now the Horde and the Alliance worked with the new Argent Crusade and created the Argent Tournament. This created the factions, the Sun Reavers, and the Silver Covenant. Now also, these are very fun places to do dailies. And that's it. This concludes the Blood Elf lore episode, and I thank you for listening. From all of us at the Casual Worgen family, we wish you a Merry 2021 Ronavirus Christmas and hope that you all have a blessed and Warcraft fun new year. This is the Casual Worgen, and I'm signing out. Merry Christmas! Merry Christmas! Merry Christmas! Have a good one. Bye.